When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, Spectres. Eh, eh, I got it that time. <laughs> I'm your host, uh, Tom or Robots. <laughs> and this is, oh man, this is Sam or N7 Legend, no longer Kung Fu Kangaroo. What's up, Sam? How's it going? That is correct. I am N7 Legend, the podcaster formerly known as Kung Fu Kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> he only has a symbol. It's a symbol that takes an N and a seven and it kind of merges them together. He's the man that's right. That's named just after a symbol. Um, <laughs> how's, how's your weekend going? It's going fantastic. Uh, like I mentioned before, I'm one week closer to moving to the West Coast and some plans are coming to fruition uh getting a little bit more concrete i'm getting some things checked off uh other things still gotta still gotta take care of you know uh, i can't stress how stressful moving is yeah moving moving it's it worse the older you get for sure for sure well i'm sure you'll get through it um so but welcome back welcome back to you welcome back to our audience our live twitch audience it is sunday night at 10 30 on twitch.tv slash robots radio where we do this show live and we're happy to have all of you guys here to chime in while we talk about this and what are we talking about today it's episode four already can you believe that we've already we're almost already a month into this and we are talking today about the krogan rebellions and the genophage so some pretty heady stuff uh this is we're getting into the realm of the things that I know about, but I don't know a lot about. So um, I'll be I'll be learning a good bit, too, as we go into this. And I know that there were some things that while you were researching this, that you also came across and you were like, wow, I didn't realize this happened or the details about this. Yeah, of the four episodes so far, I think I've learned the most while researching this one. Uh, it's kind of crazy how much of a crossroads the Krogan Rebellions and the Genophage are. Uh, just total crossroads for things we've already talked about and things we have yet to come across. And I'm really excited to delve into this. And by the way, I wanted to mention happy birthday to Commander Shepard. It is Shepard's birthday today. So how fitting that we can wow. have an episode today. That's amazing. What do you think he'd do for his birthday? Or she? What do you think Shepard would do for Shepard's birthday? Uh, Shepard Shepherd would... Oh, man, that's a tough question. Hmm. I mean, Shepard... giant Reaper King? <laughs> Shepard is like... He's his own character, but he's also the character that you play him as, right? So there's a little bit that's like custom to whoever's playing him. My Shepard would have probably worked through her birthday. <laughs> She probably would have been like, no, we've got a universe to save. <laughs> Go down to the, let's do workaholic. this. Yeah, she was kind of a workaholic. So that's, that'd be my guess. Um, but yeah, April 11th, Shepard's birthday. This is when we're recording this. Well, cool. That's happy birthday, Shepard. What do you think? Yep. 
I, I don't I think my shepherd, you know, I think you'd have a choice, right? You'd have, you could have a paragon mm-hmm. birthday or you could have a renegade birthday. Mm-hmm. I'm going with the renegade birthday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what happens there? Because the- <laughs> I want to have a I don't know, maybe like a you're drinking alcohol that's meant for Turians and Quarians and <laughs> you're hailing the porcelain god a little bit later. Uh, maybe that's yeah. James Vega's birthday. I don't know. Right. I'll, I'll celebrate my birthday with James Vega. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Move over, Joker. I'm pi- I'm piloting this thing through the city. Here we go. <laughs> Just, no, it's not supposed yeah, to take it down into the city. Oh, I can do it. Don't drink and fly. I'm the captain of the ship. Here we go. Yeah, that, that would be my drunk shepherd. Um, well, cool, man. Well, so what are we talking about today? Exactly. I mean, this is the Krogan rebellions and the genophage. How does how this is a big topic. How do we get into this? Where, where do we start? So I think the last episode kind of set us up for this one perfectly because the Krogan rebellions start as a direct result of the legacy of the Rachni Wars. Right. The Rachni Wars, as we talked about last week, the Krogan were instrumental in defeating them. And so as a result uh, and kind of a reward, the council gave the Krogan new worlds. Uh, They gave them the Rachni worlds, which were now empty and uninhabited, but they also gave them new, new and safe ones. Uh, just as kind of a here's our token of appreciation, you know, <laughs> and by the way, if you want a comfy place to live, you can go here, too, if you want somewhere that's not irradiated. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be nice. Here you go. Um, but you remember, you know, the, the Krogans were already culturally uplifted, so they were given advanced technology. They were taken from Tuchanka. And now they have new worlds and these new worlds are not irradiated. They're not hostile. There's no predators. But you still have the same Krogan breeding rate, which was adapted to a very high. So now you have a lot of Krogans. Right, right. There's nothing to keep the the breeding rate down. Yeah. And, you know, uh, this uncontrolled expansion is coupled with the aggressive Krogan attitude. So I don't think anyone would be surprised that very aggressive, very militaristic species from a very hostile planet colonizes other worlds hostily and aggressively kind of makes sense so well, it's, it goes, it's the whole it's it the whole when you, everything's a hammer like when you're a hammer everything's a nail thing right like if that is exactly. your your mindset then that's it there's no mystery that that's going to be your mindset moving forward you're not just all of a sudden going to change yeah and that's that's pretty much it um and so the the uncontrolled expansion i think it would be best referred to it goes on for around 400 years after the end of the Rachni Wars, which was around 300, 300 the year 300 current era. So now we're at a, about the year 700 current era. And so now we get to a turning point where this uncontrolled expansion isn't really okay anymore. Mm-hmm. And that happens when the Krogan start to colonize a world which is already taken. It's called Lucia. And it's an Asari world. And the Asari have been there uh, for quite a while. And so they're like, hey, man, you know, like, how do you address the elephant in the room or the Krogan in the room when (laughs) you know that they're extremely skilled, extremely aggressive warriors and you're trying to be polite to them, but you're also trying to say like, hey, how about you go away? (laughs) Like, How about you get out of here? Yeah. And leave Lucy alone. Um, Exactly. (laughs) And but the Krogan don't want to leave. 
You know, they tell the Krogan to leave. They say, you know, we've given you X, Y, and Z planets, but you got to leave. So their representative to the council, Warlord Kredak, barges into the council chambers. And he says, we're not leaving. He basically says, why don't you make us? And then he threatens physical violence against the counselors. And this is actually known to the player character because of some archives in the Citadel council archives which is part of the Citadel DLC. Hmm. Um, and you see a, a, like a hologram vid of it happening. So this part is not open for interpretation. This part of the warlord storming in there and, and, and threatening them. It, That's not yeah. an unreliable narrator. It goes, I mean, it goes back to the whole, like it was opportunistic that certain things were lost from the history records. Right. But this thing wasn't, which I'm sure doesn't put the Krogan in the best light. So Maybe there's a reason this one was held on to. You're right. Uh, There's probably a political reason. And the Asari are skilled diplomats. So from the Krogan from the Krogan perspective, you know, the thought is kind of, hey, you know, we just helped win this massive war and you promised us. But now you're saying, wait, 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 no, not that one. Oh, and not that one. Mm -hmm. And of course, because of the Krogan's already ready. Uh, built-in characteristics, they get irritated very easily, and they've had it. But I want to pose the question to you and to any of our listeners, is it possible that the Krogan's necessity in the Arachni Wars kind of led to them seeing other races as inferior? Did they get a big head where they're like, hey, you know, the galaxy wouldn't be the same without us? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, yes, absolutely. I as you were describing this, my brain went to this place of putting myself in the shoes of the Krogan and the galaxy basically comes to you and says, hey, we're, we're at our wits end here. We need you to come stomp on these giant insect things that are taking over the galaxy. You stomp on the giant insects things because nobody else can do it. And you think to yourselves, well, we're we're the badasses now. So people are just going to have to do what we want. Right. And we'll be polite about it, but when we want to take what we want to take, we're just going to take it because what are they going to do? Right. And we also know that the Krogan are not the most intelligent or politically apt of the races. So to think that they may have overestimated that leverage, it's probably pretty accurate. Yeah, certainly. And I think in the brass way that or the crass way that they might put it, uh, is, you know, why are we taking this crap from you? Mm-hmm. It's, why are we letting you tell us where we can live? Right. We just kicked the uh, Rachni's butt. What are you going to do? Yeah. And, you know, Nexada um, brings up a, a good point in, um, in, in chat, which is nature versus and is that the way that the Krogan have just learned? Is it the, you know, is it the, is it the way that their nature is? Is it built in? Is it learned? Because let's remember, it wasn't that long ago that the Krogan homeworld, Tuchanka, was completely blown to smithereens in a civil war that ended in nuclear winter. Mm-hmm. So if you grew up in nuclear winter, and remember, Krogans have pretty long lifespans. If you grew up in nuclear winter and then you came out of that to fight a massive intelligent hive mind bug species... You're probably going to be pretty, pretty chiseled, right? You're, you're going to be pretty yeah. chiseled and bitter. And um, 
So, you know, it's, it's not exactly easy. And a lot of these same people who are colonizing these new planets are the veterans of the Rachni Wars. They're the same individuals. Right. So now we have widespread war again, except it's the Krogan who are painted as the menace this time. And the council wants to nip this in the bud as fast as possible. So they take this newly minted special tactics and reconnaissance group, Uh also known as the Spectres, for a test spin. And preemptively, it seems that the council uses Spectres to take out the critical communications and war making infrastructure of the Krogan. And specifically, because I want to quote from the Codex here, because these details are important. The Codex says, Krogan planets went dark as computer viruses flooded the extranet. They sabotaged antimatter refineries disappeared in blue-white annihilation. Headquarters stations shattered into orbit-clogging debris rammed by pre-placed suicide freighters. That sounds like chaos out of nowhere. Yeah, that's... I'm trying to wrap my brain around Man. Viruses sabotaged antimatter refineries blue i mean blue white annihilation that sounds like absolutely just like they turned into bombs yeah and i think maybe let's let's make like a real world comparison to this shall we what if tomorrow all social media in the united states went down everything went down and in fact you couldn't even text anyone and then you also saw gas stations blowing up out of nowhere right yeah and then you also heard that Every defense uh, stockpile, every uh, military outpost around you was getting shattered (laughs) by orbit clogging debris. Right. So maybe by, you know, debris that was raining down and also getting suicide bombed. Yeah. No, you would absolutely feel like you were under attack, uh, both officially and covertly at the same time. Like, (laughs) that'd be terrifying. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And this is the Spectre's first engagement as a group. This is the first engagement of the Spectres. Um, and it kind of leads me to wonder what, if this was the very reason for their creation, which maybe that's why we haven't seen a Krogan Spectre. Right. That would make sense. We've seen a lot of Turians, a lot of Asari, a lot of uh, Salarians, and now a human, Commander Shepard, but no Krogan. Yeah. Well, it, it also makes sense that the Spectres there are the insiders and then there are the outsiders like there are the kids who sit at the cool table and then there's everybody else right and the kids that sit at the cool table want to make sure that they stay they stay at the cool table and if anyone else is going to sit at the cool table then they have to be invited and if you're going to be a specter then you are the you are basically the front line that gets to help decide if you're going to be allowed to sit at the school at the cool table right like it, it just totally makes sense that like they're going to only pull specters from the races that are are in the in group yeah it's it's the the gatekeeping of of power structures yeah um and so basically the strategic strikes that the specters launch they work but not really because the krogan just keep on and on and on and on and they just keep coming their birth rate means that they basically have limitless reinforcements they're just like bunnies i mean yeah yeah i mean like like really violent space bunnies rabid rabid rabbits <laughs> rabid rabbits they're um, raymond's raving rabbits that's the same as a krogan 
but also lizards. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So if you're the council, you know, you're a little worried uh, because you're like, how do we beat this? This guy, Uh, we just beat the Rachni and uh, those guys had limitless reinforcements, but we needed the Krogan to do it. And and now it's the Krogan that's doing it to us. And uh, (laughs) what do we do? And then at this time, it's actually just the Salarians and the Asari who are on the council and who are making decisions for the council. Uh, the Corians, the Volus, uh, they have also, and the Geth, they have also, I'm sorry, not the Geth, the Corians and the Volus and the Hanar have also been met, but they're not on the council and they don't really have any impressive militaries to speak of. But there's a new kid a new big kid on the block <laughs> who just moved here and you definitely want him on your backyard football team. That's the Turians. <laughs> okay. So, the, so, the, so yeah. So like the cool, the cool new sports kid gets invited to the table, to the cool kids table. Right. Okay. This yeah, completely this goes the, with the whole analogy. Like the new kid shows up, tries out for, for the football team and everyone's like, Whoa, look how far you can throw a football. And they're like, come on, buddy, come sit with us at the cool table. Right. Exactly. And they got this big fight coming up against their rival who they don't think they can beat at all. So they're relying on this cool kid to win them the game (laughs) for sure. Right. Right. And the Turians are a highly militaristic autocratic society. Uh, They're very disciplined, very rigid. And they got a lot of many powerful ships in their fleet. So they've got a big fleet. And that's what the council's kind of after. So they, the Turians make first contact with the council during this Krogan rebellion. Mm-hmm. And so they quickly establish the Turians as the peacekeeping force within the council. Yeah. Um, the council really likes, and, likes uh, you know, when you have a big fleet. Yeah. And they, they, they totally uh, haven't used that before. <laughs> they, they definitely didn't use the Krogans for their military prowess. <laughs> the council gets a, a little turned on by the size of your fleet, but, you know. Um. <laughs> the they, uh, the the Turians definitely uh, fulfilled that need for the council, and through direct engagement and targeted strikes ordered or ordered by the Tur- Turian covert uh, command stations, one of which was Pinnacle Station. The Turians start to make some headway, but uh, and there's always a but. But the Krogans respond in a horrifyingly inhumane way. They start using asteroids as weapons on at least three Turian planets, crashing them into the planets with such force that it makes the entire planet uninhabitable. I mean, this makes a lot of sense if you have intergalactic warfare, right? Like, the idea that... I mean... (laughs) Like, this is Einsteinian math, right? Like, the the speed that something like an asteroid is flying around the sun, and if you were able to, like, nudge that into a planet, you don't need a fleet of nuclear warheads. You just need something moving, you know, 0.2% of the speed of light and is a mile wide running into your planet in order to create nuclear winter and just blot out the sun. Like, that's all it takes. So it, it seems like a much easier tactic to use than to say have a fleet with a bunch of nuclear warheads when you could just drop a rock out of space. It's certainly more economical. Um, however, I think it's viewed in the Mass Effect universe as somewhat, somewhat like we would view a dirty bomb. Oh it's yeah, brutal. Yeah, yeah, and and it doesn't 
uh, it doesn't distinguish its target. It just hits where it hits, but then it affects the entire planet. So this is not a move against a military structure. This is a move against the populace at large. Uh, it, it, you know, it's similar to, you know, the U.S. dropping a bomb on Hiroshima or Nagasaki. Like you're not you're no longer going after simply military objectives. And obviously there's a moral problem with that. Right. And this is a clear like uh, escalation of the use of force off the charts, you know, because they were targeting the Turians and the council and not to defend them, but they were making targeted strikes strikes. Um, although they were using suicide freighters, so it's, you know, moral gray area, but they weren't destroying whole planets. It seems that the council was more interested in destroying any war making capability of the Krogans, not a Krogan existential uh, status. Mm -hmm. That changes though. Um, Because as the Krogans are using these arguable terrorist tactics, um, the Turians don't like that very much. And by the way, it's because of this, it's because of the use of asteroids uh, that using asteroids against what they call garden planets like Thessia and Earth, that now constitutes a tier one violation of Citadel conventions. Ah. And this has been your galactic law lesson <laughs> from legend. <laughs> yeah, but that makes sense. Like, there's only so many planets like that in the galaxy. You don't want to just go destroying all of them. Yeah, and it feels a little bit like when policy prefers the first world, <laughs> it feels a little bit like that because the yeah. first world is who is making policy decisions. Sure, sure, um, sure. But but, but even yeah. like even the Krogans can settle in a world that's harsh that somebody else couldn't. You know, the humans may not be able to live there, but Krogans could. But but a garden style planet is probably the kind of place that anybody could be safe on. Is that or at least for the most part? Yeah, yeah, that's I mean, I outside of necessarily that's where the Salarians, the, the Asari, the Turians or the humans live. Yeah, I mean, I guess other than maybe the air that you need to breathe, because some of them breathe different types of combinations of gas. But I don't know. I have to wonder if there's like uh, I, I get what you're saying, but I also have to wonder if there's some sort of uh, overlap in the majority of the races could settle and benefit from the use of those planets. I don't know. I'm just wondering. I'm wondering what that what that actually looks like. Yeah, it could have been it could have been conditional. It could have been unconditional. Uh, but regardless, slinging asteroids into planets, wrong move. Uh, this completely galvanizes the entire Turian race against a single enemy. There's not many people who are left alive to talk about how they galvanized the entire Turian race. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and the, co- the Codex specifically says, Turian military doctrine was and remains not simply to defeat an enemy, but to stop them from ever becoming a threat again. Yeah, scorched earth tactics. And that sounds really familiar. Anyone who's a history, a fan of history, that's going to sound really familiar in both the, the end of World War I and World War II. Um, but that is what the Turians aim to do. They aim to make the Krogan not ever a threat again yeah yeah this is a um result of believing that the enemy is lesser than you are 
right? In the terms of humans, like in, you know, World War II terms, you are, you are believing that there are humans and then there are people who really aren't humans. They're lesser than. And so that you can justify things like making sure that they never become a threat again by wiping them off the planet. You know, like that kind of thing. And it's it's unfortunate because this happens in human cultures. But I, I would imagine across intergalactic lines where you're dealing with completely different species from different planets, that it's much easier to justify, well, that other race isn't Turian, so they're lesser than us, you know? Just because they're an intelligent spacefaring race doesn't mean that they're worthy of existing. Not that that's right. Yeah, that's... But, and that's man, that's... It, hmm. It's not right, but who's going to argue with the Turians at this point? You know, are the Asari going to argue with them? Are the Salarians going to argue with them? The humans haven't even entered the picture yet. I mean, this is 700 current era. The humans are what? What are the humans doing? We're, the we, we're, we're dealing with the fall of Rome and uh, the beginning of the Dark Ages <laughs> in Europe. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's that's what's happening in Europe. Um, yeah, and then yeah, there's not a whole lot going on on Earth that any of these people would really even care about at this point. Yeah, there's there's not a lot. Um, and even if the humans had been introduced, it, they probably just revere the Turians as gods or something. So, oh, yeah, you know, it's it's, oh, yeah. it's not exactly relevant. Completely. Um, but yeah, that kind of takes us to the next point. I think we wanted to do that. Uh, we want to do yeah. that after the, the yeah, break. let's let's move to the middle of the show. Um, what's coming up after we take a little break? So after we take a little break, we're going to talk about how the Turians and the other council races exactly plan to stop the Krogans from ever becoming a threat again. And that is through the use of the genophage. All right. So. And we're going to be talking about the genophage, what it is, how devastating it is, and the legacy that it leaves behind. Yeah, more warm fuzzies when we get back from the break. So stay tuned for that. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign, and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. Welcome to the middle of the show. This is the part of the show where we get to thank you guys for listening, and we also get to talk about your shepherds. Um, But before we do that, thank you very much for listening to the show. We've gotten such a wonderful reception for the show. A lot of people are telling us very, very wonderful things about how much they love the show and how they keep looking forward to the next episode. So thank you for being here with us while we do this. If you'd like to help support the show right now, the best way you can do that is to tell your friends, share some of our posts on social media, leave a rating or review for us. We'll uh, read it out on a future episode. You can go to, if you're, you know, on Apple or iTunes, if you have an Apple account, you can go leave a review there. Um, All of those things would help if uh if you want to help financially we don't have a patreon or anything set up yet right now um but thank you uh next nexada uh just sent some bits to our our live stream on robots radio if you want to help support robots radio you're welcome to do that you could use your free amazon prime subs that's another way you can do it as well without spending any money so any of those things would be very very helpful but we also want to know about your shepherds so send us pictures and descriptions about your shepherds on the robots radio discord so we can call them out on future episodes this week we have a shepherd from the mothman's ranger and thank you on uncorked chef thank you for the sub appreciate that um so let's talk about this i'm going to pull up the image while uh while sam goes over some of the details here Sure. And uh, thanks, Mothman's Ranger, for sending in your shepherd. Uh, We'll try to do her justice. 
on the screen, uh, you'll see in just a second, this is Commander, uh, I'm sorry, um, <laughs> this is Commander Kara Shepard, <laughs> typed in the show notes, writer. Uh, there's a few of you who have sent in your writers, and I promise we will indeed get to those in the coming weeks. We get a lot of them. Um, but this is Commander Kara Shepard. She is a soldier. Uh, as you can see on the screen, she's got maxed out adrenaline rush, concussive shot, uh, fitness, flare, all of the types of skills you'd want your soldier to have. Um, and her background, she's a colonist. So she joined the Alliance to prevent another slaver raid like the one that killed her family. Um, her psych profile, she is a war hero. So uh, her personality is serious, wise, and kind. That is what Mothman's Ranger has said. And that she is Paragon 100%, but occasionally she is ruthless in that pursuit. <laughs> 100% Paragon <laughs> um, to a T. But occasionally <laughs> To a fault. And for example, yeah. um, Mothman's Ranger said uh, that Kara Shepard told the elusive man to f off uh and i'm i'm uh censoring there <laughs> right <laughs> told right. the elusive man to f off as soon as she didn't need him anymore the key decisions that kara shepherd made were that she kept rex alive but sacrificed caden and mass effect one and i'm going to try to speed through these uh because there's a lot of very important things that kara shepherd did so kara shepherd saved the citadel council and nominated captain anderson for appointment she destroyed Malin's data out of principle. That's what uh, Mothman's Ranger said. Mm. Morden was unfortunately killed on the collector base. Oh, no. Uh, but the rest of the crew survived. Oh, poor Morden. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and I would have shed a tear or two. Um, who am I getting? Probably like 50 about that. Because <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen Morden's death sequence in no. either Mass Effect 2 or Mass Effect 3. God, no. Mass Effect 3 is... Uh-uh. It's horrible. It's it horrible. Makes you feel like crap. Oh no, no, he uh, <laughs> he survived for me. Um, yeah, mm. yeah. Thank God he did for me too. Um, <laughs> so I really my I, my heart goes out there for Moth Mothman's Ranger. Um, but Kara Shepard also chose to destroy the Collector base mainly to keep it out of the elusive man's hands. Um, she destroyed Project Overlord, quote because <laughs> WTF Cerberus. <laughs> uh, nice. Project Overlord was the, the AI program that Cerberus was instituting, and they were using an autistic savant uh, as the basis for the AI framework, and they were subjecting him to torture. It was just awful. So, yes, agreed. WTF Cerberus. Um, <laughs> brokered peace between the, the Koreans and the Geth, which is no small feat, by the way. That's probably one of the hardest things to do in the whole trilogy. Um, and the destroy ending for Mass Effect 3. So I like that one. All right. As I've mentioned before, I'm a huge advocate for the destroy ending. And uh, Mothman's Rangers said that they chose the destroy ending for Mass Effect 3 because you, quote, couldn't risk the Reapers ever coming back and believed that Legion and Edie would agree that sacrificing millions was to save trillions was worth it. And I, I do agree with that. I think that Legion and Edie would look at the numbers mm -hmm. and they'd say, if a few million have to die to save trillions, so be it. Yeah. Uh, and Kara, Kara Shepard romanced Liara. Nice. Well, um, very cool. Thank you for sending that in, uh, Mothman's Ranger. And if you are interested in having us talk about your Shepard, please check out the Robots Radio Discord. It is free to get on there. You're welcome to check out all the different channels and especially the Mass Effect Lorecast channel and anything else that you want to 
be involved with. We'd love to have you on there and send us some some notes about your shepherd or rider. Maybe we'll cover a rider next week. What do you think? Yeah, I think we we are going to cover a rider next week. Um, I have a few to choose from. Also, don't forget uh, that you can tweet at us at Mass Effect Cast, and you can share your shepherds that way. Uh, it doesn't have to include a screenshot. You know, if you don't have one or you don't have the device anymore with which you played Mass Effect, that's okay. Uh, you can always email us or let us know the details. Uh, and then, you know, if you pick the default shepherd, it's very easy for us to find a screenshot of that. Sure. All right. Well, let's move on with the rest of the show. In a world where solid state electronics and vacuum tubes are still meta, people never stop loving atomic powered everything. A chosen 500 stepped inside a subterranean vault to be spared the nuclear horror of the inevitable Great War. 25 years later, they emerge after the fallout settles to retake Appalachia. Among them, two former rivals whose blood feud will tear West Virginia apart in their epic struggle for survival. Chad, a vault bro who has a strength of 15, an intelligence of two, and is a complete wasteland dickhead. Simon, a complicated anti-hero who chooses light and hope, but accidentally becomes a cannibal and wakes up naked and afraid with a Scorch Beast Queen after a date goes terribly wrong. What? I mean, it's a wild wasteland, right? This dark humor radio drama will have you driving off the road and crawling out from under the fallout. Two men. One wasteland. And so many nukes. Chad, a Fallout 76 podcast. Rated R. Now streaming on your holotape player podcasty thing. Spit it out, or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. All right, so we're back. And, oh, I just got a, uh, a little notification here. It seems that the Solarians uh, have another solution for um, our, our little problem. Man, they do. Here they come. They, they had come such a good solution, solution last time. Maybe, maybe we should just trust them with this one. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? Um, so to combat the Krogan's unlimited reinforcement bonus, <laughs> the Solarians <laughs> developed a little strategy called forced sterility. Perfect. Perfect. I'd like to just take a moment of silence to let that sink in. Forced yeah. sterility. Yeah. Uh, people, and Krogans are people, uh, in my experience, like it when you make decisions for them that they can't ever go back and undo. Right. That's that's a thing people like, like yeah, libertarians, especially. Yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, we're going to decide that you can't have babies anymore. People like that. Oh, wait, I'm I'm getting like and don't like confused. I get the two mixed up. I have a feeling that was a problem yeah, then, huh? It's a bad, true or false question. That's what it is. <laughs> um, and this this forced sterility is called the genophage. 
its name and man this is one of the things that i yeah. learned when i was researching yeah. this yep this hurts to read um so its name is derived from the greek word genos which means offspring and phagos meaning one who eats so the genophage literally means eater of offspring baby eater what the hell man yep. <laughs> yeah yeah this is gonna be one of those things where it's like aptly named Right. Without tact. Yeah, the Salarians are like, hey guys, we got another solution for you. This one's called the Baby Eater. Want to hear about it? And they're like, yes, please. Yeah, Turians are like, do go on. And do go on. <laughs> yes. Baby Eater. And then they do. I like how that sounds. All right. They're like, hold up. Are we eating babies? Like, <laughs> Who's eating the babies? Tomorrow? Well, or- it's just the name of the thing. Don't worry about it. Oh, okay, okay, good, good. So, what, so what exactly? Eat the babies, right? Yeah, yeah. So, what exactly is the science behind this, dude? Who eats the babies? I'm sure that was their next question. The medical science behind it. And I was surprised that the writers wrote this in because there is, you know, medical science behind the genophage. So according to the codex, quote, the genophage's modus operandi is not to reduce the fertility of Krogan females, but rather the probability of viable pregnancies. Many Krogan die in stillbirth with most fetuses never even reaching this stage as their nervous systems have been prevented from developing at all. Wonderful. Moreover, Wonderful. Sounds great. I'm sorry. Keep going. I just had to chime in with how yeah, pleasant every, that sounds. Go go ahead. Every pro-life fan uh, of ours just like their skin is crawling. Yeah, they just vomited um, in their own mouths. So, <laughs> moreover, every cell in each Krogan is infected to prevent the use of gene therapy to counteract it. Wonderful. The genophage alters hormone levels in Krogan, and one could theoretically repair its damage by inducing affected glands to compensate compensate in hormone production wonderful that sounds great (laughs) that one took a lot out of me too uh when i read that and here's the kicker here's the uh here's the bottom line what this genophage means the practical effect of it is that out of 1000 pregnancies only one makes it to birth so yeah, that's out of a, a thousand pregnancies, number. right? Nine hundred and ninety-nine don't make it. Yeah, and the Salarians develop this, but the Turians don't hesitate to use it at all. And it should be noted that the Salarians developed it as a deterrent. They meant to use it as a threat to say back off, or else we're going to do it. Turians don't really give them that. Turians, you know, at this point. Three of their planets have been nuked and they're not having it. You know, they're highly militaristic. Their military doctrine is let's make these people never a threat again. Yeah. Yeah. And because of this, because of the Krogan tendency toward violence, fertile females then become highly sought after and they become like bargaining chips. Um, And a lot of Krogan males actually die in fighting trying to get to the fertile females classic divide and conquer technique right there mm-hmm. um how however one krogan female warlord shiager uses it to her advantage and she uses it to recruit the strongest warriors the krogan have but even she falls to the turian task forces and this is viewed by some krogans as their race's last stand and it fails and now they're left sterile. What do they have to live for? You know? Yeah, this is, uh, well, not only are they left sterile, but they're left with a absolutely 
a high likelihood of dealing with tragic pregnancies when they do happen. Like stillborn births and, you know, aborted fetuses and, and dealing with all of that. Like, and it's, it's almost like it would be better if it just made it impossible for them to reproduce because then they wouldn't have to deal with the heartbreak of of trying because you know that there are people out there that are going well what if we're the one in a thousand what if we're the one in a thousand what if what, what if we just keep trying what if we keep trying and again and again and again their entire lives are never able to have living children and they just have to deal with like the psychological terror of that that's it's it's so horrible yeah and it is psychological terror um and i'm glad that you mentioned that um and that eventually leads the official krogan leadership to surrender um but not all the krogan agree some are galvanized you know some become rogue some leave for the terminus systems to become outlaws or pirates which now if you take that in the context and you put it into what you know about how you started mass effect one now it all makes sense about why so many Krogan males, why there's why, why A, there's always Krogan males, and B, why so many Krogan males are just pirates or outlaws or bandits. Yeah. Because they've adopted this hopeless, fatalistic type of thing where it's like, you know, we're already second class citizens and we can't even, you know, have children basically or or what's the point in trying to have a child because you're just going to end up sad right um right so we might as well pursue careers in the black market and, and the terminus systems because there's no hope for the race anyway yeah there's no legacy um, i'm never going to be a dad family units i'm sure fall apart over this stuff um you know if you do end up in a marriage it's it's just difficult <laughs> i'm sure yeah i just i can't imagine yeah. like yeah it makes sense and it makes sense nixana brings up a good point you know the krogan can still get pregnant as fast as normal and they still have to go through the entire gestation period not knowing yeah right um, and then dealing with the, the so, sadness of it every single time every time yeah um but you know things aren't tragic for everyone the turians are invited to join the council <laughs> for their role well, in good job. the uh, good job, Tyrians. in the whole suppression of the Krogan rebellion. Uh they're invited to join the council and so that's how they get their seat. <laughs> but you know, still the Krogans are there's a lot of them who are reckless. There's that's why so many of them have that I'm taking all comers approach because they don't care if they die. What's the whole right effing point? What's the, what's the point? Right. Yeah. Man. Um I like to I like to think through these things in a very uh, put yourself in the their shoes kind of perspective. And I do this with a lot of the other Lorecast shows that I do. But can you imagine being in the position of the Krogan? You know, I mean, through through the different sections of this feeling like you're unstoppable. Everyone, you know, you've got leverage and then all of a sudden feeling like you've got nothing to live for. Um, I can imagine I'm a parent. I can imagine the parents out there like imagine. I mean, don't do this if you don't want to. But like the, the torment of what they have to go through. I mean, can you imagine that? Can you imagine if everyone you know is going through that same torment at the same time? Um, and that everybody, everybody you know is just getting older and older and older and the population isn't replacing itself? How scary that is? Like, Yeah, and I think it's crass and inaccurate to suggest that the, the Krogan don't have feelings. The Krogan don't, you know, they don't feel any particular way. Because anyone who's played through 
any of the games understands that the Krogan definitely do have feelings. And though the males are aggressive and they have this hard exterior there, you can make Rex happy as your as his squad leader. Like it's possible. You see him laugh. Oh, yeah. You seem happy to see you. He has you know, he has feelings. Um, and even though they might not appear the same way as human beings or Turians or sorry or other humanoid races, you know, I don't know. Um, Turians are people, th- too. But then again, gosh, darn it. We need a shirt that says Turians are people, too. Gosh darn it. With a happy Rex. <laughs> what, yeah, exactly. And, is there a and, picture of uh, Rex laughing somewhere? Rex laughing. I'm sure there is. I kind of want a sh- I kind of want a t-shirt. Oh, oh yeah, Rex. yeah, yeah, yeah. He grunts. Rex's yeah, face yeah. and it says Shepherd. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah, these are Oh yes, there's there's a gif um on Tumblr. Oh no, it's not up anymore. Ugh. I have to find I have to find variations on this. Anyway. Um <laughs> so yeah the entire race you know it's just fatalistic and like i said they're treated as second class to the point where there's a petition to remove the statue commemorating all the fallen krogan from the rachni wars from the citadel like this is a statue commemorating the veterans of the rachni wars who are krogan and the citadel um citizens start a petition to remove it Talk about, you know, falling out of grace. Yeah, and I can't even imagine that. And, and actually, you know, if anyone in chat has seen this movie or any of our listeners have seen it, or if you haven't, definitely give it a try. Children of Men, mm-hmm. I think, does a great job mm-hmm. explaining the psychological impact of sterility of an entire race. That's it's, where my mind went in a post-apocalyptic during this. Yeah, like we don't have this in the show notes, but I immediately thought that, too. I was like, uh, yes, that, that would be what it would be like. For sure. Oh. Yeah. Um, and no mercy. <laughs> I mean, I know it's no mercy, but no, no mercy also fits with this theme. Uh, and in the chat, no mercy says, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the Salarians and Turians never tried to quote, wipe out the Krogan. That's right. They didn't. They just tried to return. They tried to correct their birth rate to appropriate levels for the planet's that didn't have the irradiation, the toxins, the natural predators. But as Tom and I kind of discussed last week, the difference in the calculations between making it totally punitive and correcting for it were so minimal that you'd really actually have to care to look at it that mm-hmm. way. Right. Um, right. And in fact, the Salarians do later alter the genophage. But it's not for the reason that you think Uh, the Salarians alter the genophage, not because they realized the error of their ways and they felt bad. In fact, the Salarians and this isn't in the show notes, but I just learned this uh, researching this. The Salarians. They alter the genophage because the Krogan's physiological systems are adapting to it. Their birth rate is starting to go up. And this is mentioned in Mass Effect Andromeda. Drac, the Krogan in Mass Effect Andromeda, mentions how it's because of the Krogan's adaptation to the mutation, as well as something that happened in Cryo, that their birth rate goes from 0.1% to 4%. And that's the whole reason they have a chance in Andromeda. And the Salarians alter the genophage to, quote, pre-industrial levels of the birth rate of Krogan's (laughs) so that they can correct it. So they make it even worse. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they decide to make it even worse. And this is like long after the Krogan rebellions. Yeah. So uh, 
This is why we can't have nice things, universe. This is this is why. Yeah, man, tough topic. And this is a really this is a really tough topic. Um, It is, but it needs to be discussed because it it gives very critical context to understanding the Krogan pre Mass Effect one. Yeah, for sure. So what do we have coming next week? Where do we go from here? So next week, I think, you know, this kind of falls hand in hand in what we've been trying to do these first few weeks is we've been trying to bring installments of the biggest historical events to happen in the Mass Effect universe before Mass Effect one. Mm -hmm. I think it sets the stage for the legendary edition coming out to be well received. If everyone understands the context in which you're coming into like, okay you know i understand i'm starting mass effect one but what happened before that you know right. so right. i think this sets the stage but next week we're going to be covering the geth war and that is the war that happens between the Corians and the geth the Corians are their creators the geth are the robot species who the Corians created in an attempt to make a servant class and so the creation rebels against the creator um we're going to be examining that and all the philosophical conundrums that come with that. Oh, dude, I love this stuff. I love, uh, uh, we'll get into it. We'll get into it next week. I'm going to save my comments because we'll get into that next week. But wonderful, wonderful stuff. Thank you for the uh, the research you put into this and for clearly describing everything. Um, you have anything else going on before we head out? Anything you want to share? I know you've been streaming uh, sure. some of your Mass Effect playthrough stuff. Yeah, now that I have my um, webcam here, my external webcam, I'm going to be streaming a little bit more of Mass Effect 1's playthrough. I'm still on the Citadel very early on. This is Commander K. Shepard. So if you'd like to go ahead and check out some Mass Effect 1 play before Legendary Edition comes out, absolutely give me a follow. I think on Twitch, I still have about a month before I can change my name to N7 Legend. I think. <laughs> yeah, it gives you a sign uh, Yeah. I'm still Kung Fu underscore kangaroo on Twitch. So give me a follow there or just, you know, follow me on mass uh, on Twitter. On Twitter, I am in seven, the legend now. So go ahead and follow me there. I'll be letting everyone know when I am streaming. That should be uh, after business hours during the week and anytime during the weekend. I will try to keep it as close to 6 p.m. Eastern as I can. Uh, I'll try. It might be a little bit later. Uh, as I mentioned, just a lot of things going on with my move with, uh, yeah. with finding a new job and in the new area and whatnot. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what I got going on. Cool, man. Good luck with all of that. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, thanks. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I've got all the stuff that I've been doing. If you are into a video game, that's an RPG and looking for a lore cast, I might do one. Um, Fallout, Elder Scrolls, Cyberpunk, Dungeons and Dragons, and now also Mass Effect, and potentially I'm in talks with somebody else to do maybe a Witcher lore cast. I'm crazy, guys. How do I do so many shows? What am I doing with my life? Um, but that might be coming up. So little teaser. Maybe that's coming down the line. Also, if you are interested in starting your own podcast, I have a group for you called the Robots Radio Rocket Club, where I mentor show hosts on how to launch their shows, how to create a good podcast, how to do the audio, how to do the marketing and all the stuff so that you actually launch the shows to an audience, which is a lot better than launching a show not to an audience when you put a lot of work into it. So if you're interested in that and would love to be 
I would love for you to be part of our group. We get together every week. We chat about stuff and you can learn more about all the different things that you can get if you sign up at robotsradio.net slash rocket dash club. So you can go check that out. And uh, other than that, playing some games during the day uh, in the afternoons around 3.30 ish uh, during the days, some of the days during the week. Um, so you're welcome to come join us for that on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash robots radio. And then also sometimes in the evenings. So um, it's dude can't wait for the legends to come out. I, I almost reinstalled Mass Effect because I was like, ah, I should just play through it now. And I'm like, no, 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 I should wait. Do I should it. wait. I keep no, man. I keep reading all the, the there's so many articles coming out about like, you won't believe the changes they made to this part of the game. It's going to be awesome. What about this part of the game? It's going to be awesome, too. And I'm like, oh, my God, it just went gold. Isn't that awesome? And I'm like, yes, it's awesome. But just give it to us. Release it early. It's gold. Just put it out. I'll download it right now. So, yeah, I've, I've still got to wait. Um. <laughs> oh, yeah. And just so so Chad knows, uh, you know, they, they they have been talking a lot about how they have totally reworked Mass Effect 1's combat system. Oh, yeah. Which is really the only big gripe that people have with the game. Yeah. Um, so I'm anxious to see it. And there's also a unified character creator. So no longer will your Shepard that you designed in Mass Effect 1 and then imported to 2 and 3, no longer will they look different. Good. In the con- yes. in the yeah in the consecutive games. Yeah, I also read an article yeah. where they were talking about the uh, readiness level of Mass Mass Effect Three and how that was influenced a lot in the first one, of course, by the multiplayer. And they're not going to have multiplayer in this version, so Thank they've God. adjusted it so that you can do uh, all the things in game in the single player stuff in order to get the readiness level all the way up. But if you play through one and two and then three, you're going to start with an advantage. Otherwise, you will need to do almost 100 percent of the things you need to do in order to get the readiness level up to where it needs to be. So it seems like that's been adjusted and tweaked. So interesting stuff there, all sorts of stuff. There's all sorts of articles out there about those kinds of things. And maybe we should even do an update on that stuff coming up in a future episode where we just go over all the cool changes coming out for that. We could even do a whole episode for that, too. You know, I'd love to do an episode on that maybe the week before release. Mm -hmm. Uh, What would, let's see. It's the 14th it comes out, so that would be... Yeah. Today's the 11th, so 18th, 25th, 2nd, 9th. We wouldn't want, we want to do it maybe on the 9th, and then that would be available for everybody by the 11th. Of the 9th. So, or we would want to do it on the second and have it ready for the whole week before that. Maybe the second would be better. I'm going to, I'm going to get Mass Effect Legendary on release. Uh, and I'm going to try to play it. I'm so just a little housekeeping stuff. I am moving to Oregon on Matt on May (laughs) 9th on Mass Effect day. So (laughs) on, on Mass Effect day, I'm moving to Oregon and it's going to take, it's a cross country drive. So it's going to take me more than a few days to get there um so we might have to do the ninth episode different a different time like a different day yeah i was actually gonna bring that up i'm gonna be away from home because uh my girlfriend and uh i are gonna be visiting her family the week before that so i was wondering if we can pre-record yeah uh, two episodes yeah yeah let's uh that might work out really well let's shoot for on the second maybe we could do a lore episode and then a Things to be excited about in the new games or the real you know yeah. legendary edition episode we yeah, do kind of a uh, longer really episode well. on the second and i could split it into two episodes and then yeah we can make that work that would work out really well and then i would be so psyched you know for the first episode after 
the legendary edition drops because I'm going to be watching so much gameplay and I'm going to buy it on release. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm going to have time to play it because I'm going to be arriving at my new apartment on like the 15th. So, so you'll just have to watch me sure, play it on stream. There we go. There you go. And then you you can be the expert on the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Right. Because I will clearly play through all three games within a week. <laughs> if if no. you don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's too much. I can't do that. I wonder I wonder how much side side uh, quests are cut because they did make a point to say that this is not a remaster. Um, and I kind of got the sense from that that it's going to be a uh, like greatest hits kind of thing you think they're gonna and cut a lot of the side I, stuff really my god i hope not i, I don't I think not, so but that's just kind of the thing I that i got i don't think so yeah no, from what i've read it they upgraded a lot of th- it's it's somewhere between a remaster and a remake they took a lot of the core assets and up them uh but like the voice lines are the same right the the structure for like how a quest plays out is the same but they spend a lot of time going meticulously through some of the details and like tweaking and updating details that were, were like weird or didn't work right. So I, th- I think it's like somewhere between the two, but I, I doubt they I don't from what I read, they didn't like recreate everything. They just moved everything over and then polished it up so that it would work. That makes together. Sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I see Nexata says pre-kids, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't have any kids, if that's what yeah. you're insinuating. But yeah. I was making a lot of dad jokes yeah, he's good with on the, dad the community jokes. stream the other day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't have any kids, so thankfully that will make moving a lot easier. Uh, but I will, I will try to share scenes from my move across the country. We're going to be going through Colorado uh, and Wyoming and stopping at Yellowstone and then going to Idaho and Oregon. It's going to be great. And driving all over those mountains. Nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, cool, man. We'll have a good trip, uh, but that'll be a few weeks from now anyway. So um, I'll say that again a few weeks from now. And chat, thank you for being here. We will see you guys next week. Same time, same channel. Until then, try not to, you know, make uh, birth decisions for other people because they should be allowed to make them for themselves. Uh, Is that the lesson? That's the lesson, I guess. All right. We'll see you guys later. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big